Okay, smiles everyone, smiles. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. Well, everybody, welcome back to the RC Roundtable. All right, well, let's get started. First of all, if you like big biplanes, Phoenix Model has the biplane for you. They just announced a quarter-scale Waco. Waco, excuse me. What? Waco, Waco is Waco. Waco. You stick a Waco, Waco with a Waco. It's like taco. <laughs> yes. A 90-inch span Waco ARF. 50, 60 cc. Uh, this is a big mother, isn't it? It is. It is. But and I think what caught my attention was not necessarily the size, but the really cool paint scheme. I'm sure that's a scale scheme. Yeah, it but it's just, it's, yeah. you don't see that very often. It's very pretty white and little red trim. Yeah, that's red trim. Looks like that's European registration on it, if I'm guessing. At least it's. Mm -hmm. Zeeksafull. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> sounds good as me. And it's got some sort of little emblem on the side too, in front of the stripes. It's kind of like a bat. Something a bat yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty standard Waco stuff. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Uh, this is pretty neat. I was, uh, you know, I, I kind of had an interest. I think back. A couple years ago, we went to the Weatherford swap meet. There was a uh, Pika, I believe, Waco SRE kit in the box. Good size one, I think 60 inch. And I kept eyeballing it, and I was too afraid to ask to, uh, how much it cost. Because I was afraid I might go home with it. And, and who knows when I'd ever get a chance to build such a thing. So it's nice to see it, our version out for some of us who are busy building other things. Uh, and, and it's nice that they also say that it's EP and gas powered, so you can... In, inherent into the design, you can build it as either electric or gas. It would have to be a very meaty electric system. What do they say? A 12S system for a Rimfire yeah. 55? Yeah. Okay. 12S, um, not a Rimfire 55, I think. Um, Rimfire 50cc. 50cc, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They have to make 50cc electrics. And, um, I have a quarter scale zero. I fly a 12 sails and roughly 50 cc engine on it. It pulls it around just fine. Yeah, do you see the hatch though? I like, I mean, that should give you ample access if you do go electric to shove a 12S battery in there. The whole cockpit comes out. Yeah, that's really nice. That's the nice thing about when you have from the factory designed for electric option, they usually have nice uh, ways of getting the big battery pack in there. Unlike when I did my zero conversion of a gas power plane, that was. I had to be inventive to find ways of getting the batteries in there and have it balanced. So I did find a video of this online somewhere on YouTube, and it seems to fly around really quite nice. They had a gas-powered engine in it, and it seemed nice, honest plane to fly. You know, as big as it is, um, I think they could have done better with the scale details. But that's just me being nitpicky. You notice that the fake radial is pushed all the way up against the front of the cowl, and the, the windscreens look a little hokey. I don't know. I think there's some things you can pick apart on it. Were they a little off in a rivet count? I think they were. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing when you get an ARF, you know, you're sort of at the mercy of whoever designed it. Uh, so maybe you can, I wonder if you can do something to offset the cowl a little bit to give it a little more. A little more. Oh, I'm sure. sure. Yeah, there's, and that's for me kind of the joy of ARFs that it's a good starting point to make it your own. Well, but that's what Keith's for. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Keith. Keith <laughs> Walk goes out. Let's change it up, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure Keith would go over. Go, has a whole bunch of stuff he'd fix. And of course, we're talking about Keith Sparks. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, our buddy who our, likes our to regulars have... know who Keith is. Yeah. <laughs> Great, now we have to give him credit. Park Flyer Plastics. <laughs> we'll tie a link to the show. Uh, I like this. I mean, when I first saw it come across, and, and I had said this in several episodes ago, Phoenix is just dumping a lot of models out there. And uh, kind of jumping off the, the Waco for a second, I got to see their Spitfire. 
in action at an event, and that is a that is a nice plane. I was mentioning I don't think I had seen a, a Phoenix model up close, and uh, boy, that that giant scale Spitfire that was fun. A quarter scale. Yeah, so, how big is that? It is huge. Uh, let me get the wingspan here. I'm just I just pulled it up on my screen. It's uh, 95 inches. Okay. So it's big, and it oh, flew yeah. great. I mean, the takeoff roll was excellent, and I know. Um, my friend Randy Larson uh, maidened it for this guy, and it was gorgeous. So, uh, you know, making me think I gotta do some more research on Phoenix models and get my hands on one so I can kind of experience it for myself. Yeah, I got to see the big Lysander and also the A26 recently. So I didn't really dig into them, but they looked pretty good from the sidelines. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how many models have been spitting out lately in pretty quick succession. Now, I'm not a big biplane, biplane fan, excuse me, uh, but I do like this one, and I think if I was at a field and someone was flying this, I would want to get a lot of shots of it. And, uh, you know, part of me thinks <laughs> I really would like to hear the noise coming from this. <laughs> so I think I'd like to see this in gas and maybe like a, a very short pipe muffler. So it's just like a really loud biplane. <laughs> it probably wouldn't be able to fly at your field, Terry, because, you know, they got that uh, DB meter. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty cool. I, I do like this, and it's not too bad. It's like this one's 549, and the uh, Spitfire is 669. Mm. So interesting that, uh, you know, you're, you're doubling the wing, and it's a little cheaper, so. Yeah, this plane is so big, too. There's a good chance you might be able to squeeze in a multi-cylinder engine in it to get a good sound. Yeah. I wonder if, you could, I wonder if there's a radial that'll fit in there. Yeah, it might be. Maybe really, small really custom cowl, get that get that fake radial out and put a real one in there. Doesn't uh, Sato make some fairly uh, small radials? Or am I off? I think so. so that, I've be... seen the Sato, but it's, it is pretty big, so I don't know. But anyway. Get just... out of my comfort zone there. <laughs> gas and nitro engines goodness well but just saying i for this kit i because i'd finally seen a phoenix model and, and the quality is great uh, i i would like to see some more close up and maybe get a link of that video you found uh fits but this is this is attractive and if you are if you're a biplane guy this is something definitely to to look more into it doesn't come out until uh, late october so but mm. it's up there on tower's website yeah, this should be a good seller. I think that they hit a nice, it's a nice classy design. So, It's the quintessential classic biplane. Yes. Yeah. You need to add some oil stains. <laughs> the drip pan underneath. Exactly. It comes with its own drip pan. I love it. <laughs> and a couple of patches in the wing where you stick your hand through it. <laughs> Neat. Yeah. Nice plane. All right, then. Well, that's, uh, that's enough of the new stuff. Let's move on to some uh, some more personal stories. We had a, well, I think all three of us had really kind of an active week regarding going to events with uh, airplane, model airplanes, both real and model. Like we should. Yeah. We should be more more busy out there visiting visiting the folk. <laughs> out Outside with people and stuff and, and trying to cure our agoraphobia. So... Uh, Wait, you're calling Lee agoraphobic? <laughs> no, I think he's just the opposite, isn't he? I would think so. <laughs> it was it was nice to get out <laughs> and look at models, but uh, I think we're going to talk about Terry first, right? Terry's cool adventure. So if you recall last episode, we asked Terry to go to Neat, and he pretty much poo-pooed it and said we're, uh, we're crazy and we should go and leave him alone and let him... Uh, <laughs> Get off his lawn and that kind of stuff. So, Terry, what happened? I went to neat. <laughs> but I will not give you the satisfaction of thinking that it was because you prodded me. I, I was we will. Go. We we will continue that feeling. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> Fitz and I did a little fist bump and said, we did it. <laughs> well, I don't think you remember the previous conversation because I was saying, if I can make it work, I will. And I made it work. It's, yeah, we're exaggerating. Yes, we are. But we are so glad you went because I'm. I've been. We haven't uh, been talking to Terry much about his adventure. Uh, he, you know, posted the photos, which was exciting, and I got to see them. But uh, here we go, Terry. Tell us about Neat. There were some airplanes in the mountains. Wow, that's what we pay you for. 
<laughs> and you're supposed to be a writer? <laughs> well, that report reflects how much I'm paid. <laughs> okay. So, no, um, it's in Peaceful Valley, which is in the Catskills up here in New York. It's a very nice place. It's a beautiful drive out there. And you are very much off the grid when you get there. And I think that's one of the good parts about it. But for those... What? <laughs> no, just, I was just thinking, when I was a kid growing up next, next state over, there was a news channel. They always kept saying, from the Catskills to the Sound, this is eyewitness news. And as a kid, I had no idea what a Catskill was. Uh, like, what's a Catskill? What is that where cats live? What, what is that? So, so you actually got to go to the Catskills. I don't think I've ever seen a Catskill. <laughs> yeah, well, if I saw one, I wouldn't know it, but I assume it's a mountain. What's the origin of that name? I, I have no idea. It's probably yeah. something colonial. Or Indian. Maybe. Or Indian, yeah, probably. Yeah. Anyway, back to airplanes. So <laughs> this is the Northeast Electric Aircraft Technology Fair, or NEAT Fair. And it's been around since, what, 2000, I think? And basically it's an electric aircraft fly-in. And it's at this, it's a campground that's up in the mountains up there, and it is literally in a valley. They call it Peaceful Valley. And that part was kind of neat, because when you're flying, there's not a typical horizon there. You're, the backdrop is the side of a tree-covered mountain. So that was something for me kind of difficult to get used to. Now, and I should point out, I, I wasn't flying. I just went as a spectator, because I could only go this one day. Now, now, NEAT was started by Tom Hunt, which was somewhat of a pioneer in early electric flight himself, if I recall. Yeah. He used to have model air tech. Yes. So he had gear drives and belt drives and a lot of NEAT designs that were built only with balsa sticks. Yes, he had some really neat, <laughs> neat, <laughs> interesting planes that he had produced. And I actually have one of his belt drives I'd gotten that used a... Electric motor out of a DeWalt drill, ah, of all things. Yeah, I actually had one of those. I, I ordered it from him. I think I had a couple email conversations or something at the time. And I used it, I only ever used it once, and that was in a, a, a large helicopter conversion I had done for Giggles. That was uh, modestly successful, but nothing great. But uh, it was a really nice, big, beefy uh, belt drive that uh, you know would probably would have flown a quarter-scale plane. Yeah, I've got one of those belt drives, too, and I bought it for a brushless setup, and for whatever reason, I've never used it. But it's still around. I should dig it up. Mm. Anyways, you were, you were saying. Yeah, anyway, so my daughter and I went with me, and we left Buffalo, I don't know, five-something in the morning. And it's a good four-and-a-half, five-hour drive over there. So we arrived around 10 a.m. and had enough time to, to say hi to people and... I was surprised by how many people were there that I know, either from you know, online relationships or... No, not those kind of relationships. Um, yeah. <laughs> I better, better clarify that. People that... Uh, colleagues that I, I write with or people that I've met through RC groups, things like that. Electric anyway, so, plane harmony? Yes. <laughs> EP harmony? <laughs> Join EP harmony and find your mate. <laughs> Boy, this got derailed very quickly, didn't it? I blame um, you. <laughs> yeah, well. But it's a big place, and you know, you get there, and there's just. Have you either of you guys been to Seth before, or a big event like that? Uh, I've been to Seth myself. Okay, I've been so to Oshkosh. you know the scale <laughs> of uh, of how big this stuff is, and this is definitely along those lines. There were over 300 registered pilots when I talked on, with Tom on Saturday sometime, and he was expecting a few more to show up on Sunday. And it's just a, a big event. Um, I wouldn't say it's on Ceph scale, at least the last time I went to Ceph, because it never felt crowded to me, but there was just a lot of people, a lot going on. And so in the however many hours I was there, 10 hours at the field, I guess, um, I'm sure I was just scratching the surface. So I... I'm not sure what I didn't see, but I'll make up for it next year because I'm planning to stay the night at least once. 
So ask so, me questions. Well, it, since you had never been, we've always talked about it, and kind of like my impression of Oshkosh, how it differed once I got there. What was your, what did you feel was different in your, you know, once you got there that you didn't expect or something that was better when you got there? Um, well, the first thing, and this is kind of abstract, but what I had heard about NEAT was that the the staff that runs it is kind of gruff and rude and safety Nazi kind of thing. Ooh, you got a negative first. Okay. Well, Interesting. Well, that's that was the reputation I had heard about. I, I don't know if you guys have heard that, but my experience from me being there complete opposite they could not have been nicer and more accommodating and more helpful so i don't know if they've kind of changed the way things were or if my experience was an exception or if the reports i've heard before are exaggerated but no it was completely pleasant and helpful and yeah all good things i had never heard anything negative about it i heard it was very busy um uh, it's very pretty, and I, I was wondering how narrow was that runway, though? Every time I see photos, and you get this depth of field issue with the people taking photos, it looks like those trees are a lot closer than normal, but was it a, a pretty open airspace? Um, yes and no. When I first got there, I'm like, ooh, that looks kind of close. But then when you get there, and you see these guys flying these big, uh, giant planes, you're like, oh, okay, it's really bigger than it seems. So I think it's just a matter of getting used to it and... You put your first airplane in the trees, and you're like, okay, now I know how far away it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you have a little trial. Plane. You have a trial plane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, but I didn't see anybody put them in the trees. I'm sure it happened, but it wasn't a common issue. Now, now since you're in a valley, what was the wind like? Oh, from what I heard, the entire week was just fabulous weather, and the Saturday that I was there was absolutely fabulous. There was almost nothing. Um, hmm. I guess there was a little bit of breeze just coming through the valley at some point, but it was the kind that it was just enough to keep you cool, but it certainly wouldn't stop anybody from flying. Did they have a separate area for helicopters or 3D flyers? Uh, not 3D. They had, from what I could tell, they had four flight lines. The, well, actually, there was a main flight line, which was for you know, sport planes, and then at the far end of it was a couple pilot stations set up for helicopters. And then to the opposite end of that main flight line was a park flyer area. Hmm. So the, the small stuff could fly there. And then opposite the park flyer area, this is kind of weird. So if you're standing in the sport flyer area looking across the runway, on the opposite side is a pond, right? It mixed with those trees. And they had a place set up where people could fly float planes off the pond. So I was over there quite a bit. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, did they have any facilities for electric power, or is it bring your own power, basically? Uh, BYOP. <laughs> and there was a lot of generators running. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so this is at, I think I mentioned before, it's at an established like, regular campground. So there are camping spots, and a lot of people come out you know, early, like a week early, and start just hanging out, getting ready for this thing. And everybody else, you, know, you can set up at your camping spot or bring your RV, whatever you want to do. Interesting. Did could yeah, you, did you tell? Nice place. Could you tell? If there was anybody there that like just was there to camp for the weekend, or like what the hell's going on here? Oh, right. yeah, I was wondering that. If people just kind of <laughs> happened to drop in and say, "What did I get myself into?" <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, there may have been some of that, but yeah. And also. I never saw them, but I heard some quad races going on, so I'm sure that was set up somewhere too. But yeah, I, again, I I feel like I only just saw the very surface of this thing, so I'll have to dig in deeper next year. If you go next year, what are you going to bring? You know, that's a good question. Um, I had the most fun over at the pond. And then, I haven't mentioned this yet, on Friday evening and Saturday evening at the the gym of the local high school, which is about five or ten minutes away, they have an indoor fly-in. And this just isn't a regular bring-your-light-stick fly-in-the-gym. This is world-class indoor micro stuff that's going on here. So that was really cool to see. 
and I don't know if you guys saw the pictures of these tiny, tiny planes that were flying there, but there was some really small stuff. Yeah, I was really intrigued by the 172nd scale models, RC models. Yeah. I right. would love to see what kind of electronics we're putting like in those things. Three and four channel proportional control. Yeah, wait, he's only a couple of grams, I think you said? Yeah, there's an A10 with twin ducted fans that oh. weighs like two grams. Oh, man. You know, I am just too clumsy in my workshop. I'd put one of those down and I, <laughs> the door would open and that thing would be gone. It would fall behind the desk. You know, it's like, yeah, you can't huh? drop a ladder on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even a Barbie they ladder is so delicate. Yeah. Well, it's a, a whole different set of skills. Yeah, it was really cool to see. What was your favorite? Let's say, what was your favorite outdoor and indoor? Do you have? Did you pick one? Or uh, that's a tough question. Is there such a variety of things? Okay. Well, how about most unique, or you know, something you hadn't seen before? Okay. Well, let me go through the list here. Oh, so, God, it's going to take forever. <laughs> <laughs> so on Saturday they have a noon demo where they have factory pilots come out and show some new stuff, and that's when I saw the um, the big Lysander. And Jason Shulman flew that, and he did a really good job with it. He tossed that thing around, flew it in very smooth and scale fashion, but it was clear that it had a, a good power set up, and it was very maneuverable. And so that looked good. And it was nice because it was a bright silver airplane, and you have the backdrop of the trees, so it, sh it showed up well in contrast there. Mm. Um, some of the other planes, like uh, Dan Landis had a big zero, um, I don't know if it's quarter scale, but it's pretty darn big. I think it's a 93-inch span. He also flew that in the demo, and he did really well with it. But that's your typical green zero color scheme, and it gets lost against those trees. <laughs> camouflage Good thing it has well. the meatballs on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, camouflage works. So, so he's flying a pair of meatballs, basically? <laughs> <laughs> or more or less. I, I'm exaggerating here, but... You, there was definitely a difference when you've got that dark contrast, and since I didn't fly, I don't know how that affects you know any of that. But in trying to take pictures of it, it's a it's a whole different experience. Now, now typically when I hear about neat, I hear about a lot of the really unusual aircraft that show up. People, some, sometimes there are more contraptions in aircraft. Uh, did you anything of note of note or notable that you saw there like that? Yeah, I'm sure, and. That's kind of the legacy of NEAT, that it's a place for the, the people who like to experiment to, to come and show off their stuff. And I guess in the early days, pretty much everything electric was an experiment. But uh, now there's still a niche for that. So I think you saw a picture of this park flyer there. Well, not a park flyer, I should say it's a foamy. But I think their goal was to make the largest electric-powered plane that had been in NEAT. And it was, it looked like a big slow stick. It had a drilled aluminum fuselage and just these huge foam panels for the wings and tail surfaces. And I wouldn't guess what the wingspan is. Well, okay, I will guess. Probably about 20 feet or so. Yowzers. <laughs> yeah. It did. Uh, but it flew. And it flew well. Yeah. It did. Uh, so, uh, go ahead. Well, one year they had like an inflatable plane, if I remember correctly. Did you see anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just a, like a toy store inflatable, obviously not meant to fly. I think it was a pool toy or something. It looks like something. a jet, yeah. And they, I talked to the guy whose son built that, Who? but he wasn't there this year, but I talked to the guy's dad. And uh, apparently that's their thing. They create a lot of quirky stuff like that and have fun with it. So, yeah, there's still an audience for that sort of stuff. And that's good. Um, another one I saw that I liked was my buddy Thayer Syme. He built a quadraplane, which is kind of a cartoonish scale, old-timer-looking thing, and that was really cool. And it flew super-duper well, too. Hmm. Yeah, you have to see pictures of that. Um, there was a lot of cool stuff on the pond, and the pond was interesting because it's kind of a confined area, so you can't just put you know, a 40 size the trainer on floats and fly off of there. So it had to be the smaller park flyer stuff. And there was a good variety of that. And it required you to be on your toes when you were flying it. So it was it was neat to see all that going on. And then on the indoor, I don't even know where to start there. There was so much cool stuff there. Did you do yeah. any video? 
No, no. Okay. It was uh, all still photos. I was kind of thinking the indoor flying video would be almost, I'd say hilarious. Can, please tell me that there were like little crashes and stuff, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, please. my big disappointment in the day, if there was anything that was a disappointment, it was that, you know, I knew the the indoor flying stuff was going on, but the stuff never stops happening at the main field. So I stayed there as late as I thought I could. And there were a few of us that were going to go out to dinner at the one restaurant in town. And so we went in there, we left the field, gosh, I don't even know what time it was, maybe six or seven. And the indoor stuff had already started and it was supposed to go until 10. Um, but then we went into town and the dinner just took forever. And so by the time we get to the indoor stuff, I think it was probably eight thirty, nine o'clock. And a lot of the stuff going on had already finished. So I really saw the tail end of that. Um, and looking at other people's pictures, I'm convinced that there was a lot of cool stuff I missed. But I still saw a lot of cool stuff, too. You get to see those indoor rubber power planes that are basically uh, that clear, almost cellophane-looking material. Oh, yeah. Well, no, not the super slow, like the ones that have the built-up props and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. I heard that there were some of those there. I didn't see those, but there were some other rubber-powered free flights indoors. And, I mean, that's cool, too. I talked about the free flight stuff at Geneseo, um, a few episodes ago, and that's an outdoor event. But here, I mean, it's different because you're in just a you know a high school basketball gym, so you've got to tune that thing so that it stays within the confines, doesn't hit the walls, and then if you do it right, that motor runs out of power just as you're starting to scrape the ceiling, and so you power up really slow, and then you run out of power up at the ceiling, and then you coast back down. And if, yeah, if you get it right, it's a thing of beauty. If you get it wrong, you smack into the ceiling or the wall. But well, they bounce off the wall. And stuff. Yeah, I never saw any real damage on the ones that didn't quite make it. There's there's not a whole lot of mass there. But just some really cool stuff. Some things that looked like rubber band powered planes, but are actually electric powered RC. And you know, the stuff we talked about before, Joe Malinchak's really tiny stuff. Now you mentioned the 172nd scale fighters. That wasn't the smallest stuff. He had Corsair smaller than 172nd scale. How do you get smaller? Smaller? Smaller, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I guess that's their goal. So they can get it. The smaller, the better. That's their their aim. Yeah, we get a point they where to best themselves. You know, there's this thing called Reynolds numbers, and so you get too so small that the thing just flies like uh, it doesn't very fly very well. But maybe they can. They found the magic sauce to do it. I guess Reynolds Schmidts. You got to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, and yeah. and they're doing it. Well, speaking of how to make it work, because I've, I've been wanting to chat with you about it, you had said to us in, in a private message that this is something you want all three of us to attend next year. So right. how do we start preparing for NEAT 2018? Well, well, this will go back to the question I haven't quite answered yet. I think somebody asked, what would I take next year? So I think the answer to that is something to fly off the pond, something that won't embarrass me at the indoor, and... I have very low goals there. I would just be happy with anything that flies reasonably well indoors. Um, and then my normal spread of things to fly at the um, the sport flight line. And I wouldn't want to take too many planes because even as a spectator, I felt overwhelmed just trying to capture all the stuff that was going on. So I wouldn't want to feel obligated to fly a truck full of stuff that I brought and miss other things. Now, now for us, we had a logistics issue. If we went, we either have to fly and try to ship something or road trip it and shove some stuff in the car. That's a heck of a road trip. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, but so that's, so. that uh, makes me wonder, and uh, maybe we should have uh, had you ask this question, but for those people who, who travel to need especially those who can't make the drive, how are they f shipping aircraft there? Or are we just going to have to rely on our buddy Terry Dunn to go get planes for us? <laughs> <laughs> just rent them from him? Have, have them ready. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, I want you to bring this, this, and this, because I want to fly it. <laughs> well, we, we could just all be flying Terry Dunn aircraft. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. One big well, communal... Yeah, uh, you guys know that there's nothing in my fleet that, that I wouldn't not let you fly 
Did I say that right? The shorter version. You yeah. can fly anything I've got. Maybe that's the answer. We just leech off a of Terry for whatever you can bring. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. We gotta we gotta start playing. That sounds that. like a yes. Well okay. I'm I'm good to go to neat. I haven't been to Seth, so that's another event I want to attend. So yeah. Oh, I forgot to tell you the one of the coolest things. Well, um, darn it. <laughs> what is it, Terry? <laughs> On our Facebook page a couple of weeks ago, one of you guys shared that there was a photo of somebody who built a parallax. Um, he was there, John McGrath, and he had two parallaxes. <laughs> parallax? Galaxes? <laughs> Parali- he had a gaggle, Parali- of, a gaggle of parallaxes? Yeah. <laughs> Um, he had one that was the normal scale, and then he had another one that's the one that was the subject of that post. It's 33% bigger, and he had an FPV set up in it. So in the little pod off to the side, he had put a camera in the nose and a totally independent video transmitter and battery for it, and he actually flew that during the Saturday demo. And then later on, he flew it again so I could take some photos. And did he know who you were when you walked up to him? No, no, I introduced myself. <laughs> hey, by the way, that's my plane, and you just took it from him? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my royalties? <laughs> well, you would be a horrible, famous person, Lee. <laughs> just start pounding at him. That's my plane. <laughs> <laughs> this belongs to me. Well, did did he have you, like, sign the plane and everything, all that? <laughs> No, <laughs> he, he wasn't. No. That, he, <laughs> it wasn't that gratifying for him to meet the maker of that aircraft. Yeah, I'm just a dude. <laughs> just some yeah, guy, you're you Terry know. Dunn. I'm George Washington. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, that's he interesting. It, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. He, you could have said, "I am. I'm Terry Dunn. I'm the. I designed this plane." He's like, "Who's Terry Dunn?" <laughs> I got. I got this from a, a, a builder in Vietnam. Well, I stole these plans. <laughs> Now, that's interesting. That plane, if you think about it, is really a great candidate for FPV, even though when you designed it, FPV really wasn't a thing. Because uh, you've got the pod off to the side, you're not shooting through the propeller arc, yet you have a clear view of the front of where you're going. Right. Other people had mentioned that possibility to me, but I kind of dismissed it only because of the weight distribution. If you start adding a bunch of junk in that pod, you have to counterbalance it on the opposite wingtip. And I'm like, eh, you just basically double the weight of your your FPV equipment when you do that. And I guess that's true, but in talking to John about that, I think he said he only added like three quarters of an ounce of lead to the opposite tip to balance. So that's, that's not a big deal. So anyway, he made it work, and it flew well. Hmm. well it's that was- funny to watch him launch it because you know, I always launch mine underhanding and uh, I give it a decent toss. He just kind of holds his arm out and lets it go, and it flies away. <laughs> yeah, cool. Now, I, I like that. I, I loved seeing that. And then also that it was a bigger version, so cool cool for you. That, that's good to know all that, that work that uh, it took for you to get the bugs out of that design. <laughs> it's kind of paid off and a pretty successful. Uh, yeah, and it's really satisfying to see that other people are building it, using only the plans and having success with it. Yeah. So... Now, I kind of worried about that after I completed the plans. I'm like, ah, was there something I did to make it work that I'm not really capturing here? And uh, apparently it works. So, Awesome. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get a chance to go up there next year. And uh, Hope floats, buddy. Make plans. All right. Lee, you and I, we're going to have to see if we can make this work. Okay. So <laughs> fly into Buffalo. Tickets are cheap. And then we'll road trip it over there. Oh, I didn't even thought of that. Well, there you go. And we're camping together, all three of us, in a tent. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, lordy. All three of us snore. Can you imagine? (laughs) This this is is going from a wonderful (laughs) trip to what the hell are we thinking? (laughs) They're going to put us on the back 40 of that campground. Was that Trey's Plays Automobile? That's not a pillow. (laughs) <laughs> oh. oh, let's move on. <laughs> From the Berkshires to the South, from wherever you live, this is Eyewitness News at Six. All right, Lee, you're next. Uh, you also had a nice outing at an event this uh, past week. 
Yeah, I uh, did my annual, typically annual trek, although me saying that reminds me of the, epi the, the episode, the day Terry and I were in my garage at my old house, and it was just pouring down rain, and we were going to go to Bomber. Remember that, Terry? Not yet. I'm trying to bring up that memory of my... We were, working, we were working on a plane in the garage, and the rain was coming down, so we decided not to go to Bomber. And then we, it turned out that it was not raining over there. And it turned out oh, to be... Oh, right. right. <laughs> and we missed all the good stuff. So when I say annual trek, except that day, I usually go to, to Bomber Field, USA, which is in Monoville, Texas. They have a huge B-17 gathering and Big Bird fly-in. And I've got lots of galleries online, so you guys can go to my Lee Ray photography page and, and take a look at those. Gosh, I've got... It's weird because I was going through some back from like 2010. So they, it's great. It's a, it's a wonderful event. I'm, and I've been there longer. I've been, I was there with my dad at one time. So it's been around for a long time. And, uh, oh, it was some really cool stuff. Now, I didn't get to go on Saturday because of something Fitz is going to talk about shortly. But I did get to go Thursday and Friday. And what's nice about those days, it's a little uh, calmer. And people from out of town show up. And you get to sit down and chat and, and just really have a good time. Because Saturday is really, you know, elbow to elbow. Flight line's pretty busy. And the temperatures have been usually hot the past few years. So you really don't want to be out in that sun. And it was, it was hot Friday. But a lot of cool stuff. Um, the guys from Austin showed up. So Randy Larson was there. He had brought uh, some cool planes, and the one I really wanted to see, which is I think the cover of my Lee Ray Photography uh, Facebook page, is his twin Mustang that he built. Uh, it's really cool. And there was a, a, a giant-scale Phoenix Spitfire I mentioned earlier that uh, was really nice. And I got some, I got video and photos of the maiden flight, so that was, that was really neat. It, it, it's just such a gentle flyer. Uh, really impressed everybody. Uh, got a couple of crashes that were <laughs> interesting, um, and sadly, I didn't get to I didn't get to spend a lot of time at Bomber. So most I, I Thursday I showed up I guess around ten or so. So and it was pretty low. And on Friday I didn't show up till about two or three. So I heard I missed some cool things, and <laughs> I think I mentioned to you guys I just had the worst luck with P38s because sure enough some guy brought uh, a large uh, B, uh, P38 that was in the paint scheme of the white lightning uh lefty gardeners p38 and he flew that like three times and as soon as i arrived he left <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I was just kicking he myself timed it that way and nobody nobody else had a p38 <laughs> so i'm just, uh, just i'm jinxed you should become a, a p51 fan that would solve all the problems. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that would have been no problem uh <laughs> there uh, it was fun, and I hope you guys uh, see the videos that I put up. I had a couple of, like, a highlight video for Thursday, uh, some longer flight videos from Friday. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. If you're ever uh, in the Houston area, it's just you just need to go one day. If you can, definitely go Saturday. It is pretty crowded. There's some really cool stuff. Mike Liable was there with his B-24. I got some shots of that. And uh, no, as far as... I, you know, when I was there, there were no B-17 crashes, which was great because, you know, that's always <laughs> very sad. Uh, but I did, you know, there was a guy, uh, <laughs> this poor guy, uh, I don't remember who makes it. Is it Top RC, guys? Is that the name of the That sounds familiar. Brand? Yeah. This guy was flying a Spitfire. Gentle, you know, gentle flying. I was actually photographing another plane, and then I heard someone say, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> And like, what happened? And sure enough, I scan over, and this guy's uh, Spitfire has a, a wing missing. And I tracked it going down, so the, I have a couple of photos of it flying down without a wing. And later on, uh, after they recovered the fuselage, he couldn't find the wing, so I remembered where it was. And he and I walked out, and uh, I, this guy, I think his name is Larry from Austin Group, very nice guy, older gentleman. We had a great. <laughs> we're walking in, you know, knee high. Uh, grass and mud and we're looking for this wing but we're having a nice chat and we find the wing and discovered that the laminate of the plywood on the rib on the fuselage separated because his wing bolt was still in the the wing so it was like whoa he's why well, i'm sending this back because <laughs> i was watching him fly he wasn't doing anything crazy but uh, that's that's kind of sad but and we got pictures of it so hopefully he'll get a, a replacement at no charge from them right. He missed his chance. All the aerobatic guys dream about that so they can knife edge it in for a landing. Yeah, I don't know if that Spitfire was going to knife edge in. <laughs> you saw it spitting down, didn't you? In, in, the photos. <laughs> in your photos? Yeah. 
<laughs> it was yeah. It was <laughs> there was no recovery. Okay, so anyway, Bobberfield, fun event. Try to go over here. Guys from Mexico were there. Got some great shots of uh, of the uh, Dauntless uh, that was uh, that this guy bought. It was uh, again fun. Please go visit it when you can. If you like warbirds, it's the place to be. So I know you've been there several times taking photos. Have you ever gone as a pilot? I have, and the it's it's not the problem. It's uh, the, the, there's a, a restriction as far as uh, wingspan. So any single wing has to be at least 80 inches. And I only have two aircraft that uh, are longer than 80 inches, and that's the uh, Pawnee and the CZ Cub. And I think flying a CZ Foamy Cub at a Warbird event, <laughs> even though not it's really scale, the spirit. no, can't say that it is. <laughs> so uh, that would be a no. But I have flown the Pawnee uh, there, which was fun. Uh, there, were, in fact, there was there was another Pawnee one year when we were both there. We both had our electric Pawnees. And interesting <laughs> for me is that this guy had a four cycle. Uh, on the Pawnee originally, he switched it to electric, but his cowl still showed the holes. <laughs> for the, for the, for the <laughs> Extra cooling. And I got pictures of that. But uh, no, and, and you know what? The Pawnee is great. It, it flies real well. We had I had compliments when I, when I took it there because it was something different. But I will tell you this. Now, I... I've always held true to that restriction because, they, you know, they want big planes there. But Thursday was not really an official day. And there were guys flying 60-size aircraft. And boy, Terry, I was really regretting not having the Corsair with me. I would have loved to have flown that H&M 60 Corsair because there were other people there flying smaller scale, like Hangar 9 P-51s. And uh, I, I will de- – thanks for reminding me. I'm definitely going to put that on my list if I go on a Thursday because uh, there were a lot of people who were just flying anything they had that was Warbird-related. Okay. Now, now Barbara Field does have a, a, a any-size Warbird event at one point in the year as well. Yes, that's the that's usually like in April, I believe. And I've been to that with the uh, the P-38 that Terry got got me, the flight, is it, not flight line. Ooh, help me out, Terry. The I'm silver, thinking. The silver P-38. I can picture it. I just can't come up with the... I have, a, P, I have a foamy P-38. Flightworks. Flightworks, thank you, uh, that I took out there. So that was fun. Mm. And they're foam tolerant? Yeah, that's a, that's a any warbird. Okay. But the B-17 is, is meant for large scale, And boy, they, there's some big planes out there. Oh, my gosh. What was the size? Some guy had a decathlon there that was just humongous. I didn't get the scale, but I, I have photos of it, but you need to look at that. Oh, there was an aerial shot. Somebody, I think it maybe from a drone or something. And you can see the flight line. And I was so upset when I saw that. I, 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 the guy told me he had done that uh, on Friday, mm. I think. And he had a little quad, uh, quadcopter that uh, he pulled up. And I was like, I wish I could have been there to, to walk that. Yeah. That was well, uh, Our friend Wally Warren, he's one of our uh, – oh, yeah. he's, he's here in Houston. He did, yeah. a, uh, he did a videotape and walked down the flight line. If I can copy it, I'll, I'll share it. That was neat. There were some really nice airplanes on that center line. Well, what's funny is, is you see the, the decathlon, and it is so much bigger than anything else out there. It makes the <laughs> other giant planes look like little tiny models. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was big, wasn't it? Yeah. I was like, how big is this plane? Because I saw, you know, you see bombers that are, you know, they're over 100-something-inch wingspan. And they look like, they look tiny compared to this decathlon. Yeah. Well, uh, that's bomber. And, I mean, I can always run on about it, but I know that, uh, Fitz, we got a real fun story to tell about now so let's move on i have one more bomber question i'm sorry it's it's okay it's about the decathlon so on something that huge well did you get to see it fly no okay well i'm curious i mean there's obviously the appeal of just having something huge and different but i wonder what else it offers because i'm sure there's some huge trade-offs to having a model that ginormous so just, Size I'm, matters, Terry. Well, right. <laughs> well, I guess bragging rights. And their toys. The wild factor. Because there's a guy has a, 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 a DR1 triplane too. It's about half scale. He flies there. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's cool. But I mean, once you get over the scale of it, what else is there? It, it, well, yeah, I agree. I think they're kind of a hassle trying to transport something like that, putting it together. You've got a lot of money involved in it. I guess it's just. Because you can. Okay, well, you ready? And okay. he, he got exactly what he was hoping for in our conversation here. We talked about it. 
you know, some people buy planes because they want people to, to say, wow, you know, tell us more about that thing. So, well, no, I'd, I'm not proposing that he's being selfish or grabbing for attention. I'm just curious what he might be. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, not long ago, we were talking about the trade offs of really tiny airplanes and you know, how they can be challenging. So when you go really big, what, what are the trade offs there? And maybe, what are you giving up? What are you gaining? Maybe the same thing, just because it's a challenge to build, build and fly something really, really big. Yeah, I can appreciate that. It has its own so engineering challenges to do that as well. So. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's just not obvious to me, so I'm curious if you guys might be aware. Mm. I guess well, you, could, you could say the same thing about Bailey's bomber. Why is a guy building a third-scale B-17? Well, no, no. <laughs> that doesn't require explanation. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Plus, you can fly in it. Yeah. Everybody should have silly. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, anyway, well, to round out our, uh, our trifecta of events, uh, Lee and I had a chance uh, to attend the, the actual grand opening of the new Lone Star Flight Museum in southeast Houston. Uh, they used to be out in Galveston, out in the coast, until they got flooded out by uh, Hurricane Ike, if I remember correctly. And that caused them a lot of damage, and they decided then to they needed to move further inland to get away from any storm surges and whatnot. And so they opened up a new facility. It was a 130,000-square-foot facility right on Ellington Field property, so right at the airport. So, am I hearing you right? They moved to Houston to get away from hurricanes? Well, at least the storm surge part of the hurricanes. They still have the wind part, but okay. they did say okay. the building was designed to handle, I think, Category 4 hurricanes, so... Uh, they knew that going in that they had to survive winds, but at least they don't have to survive rising water tides and that kind of stuff. So, uh, so we were we we were able to pop in on their grand opening, which had, believe it or not, been delayed because of Hurricane Irma. Uh, That's ironical. Uh, no, yeah, Harvey. Harvey. I'm sorry, Harvey. Because of Hurricane Harvey, their grand opening had to be delayed. <laughs> so they had to move because of Hurricane, and their grand opening was delayed because of a Hurricane. Uh, so. Uh, but we made it up there, and it was—it's really nice. It's got all—it's got the new building smell, and, and it's all shiny and polished. And I got—we got a chance to see some of their new aircraft that they acquired in their collection, and also uh, see a lot of their new classrooms. They, they're really pushing the STEM and being part of a learning experience now, versus the old location. And uh, we had a chance to interview a couple of different people uh, that helped run the place. Uh, one of them I know personally, his name is Stuart Bailey, and I, I pulled him aside, and uh, he agreed to let me talk to him for a few minutes. And after we were we were in the middle of talking to him, one of the PR person comes up and says, hey, you want to talk to the CEO of the place? And I think, <laughs> and Lee and I are like, yeah, okay. And so we were able to actually talk to the CEO of the museum, and man, that was an interesting guy. Uh, he had a lot to say, and he was like, Joe Air Force, this guy. Was... Yeah, we were we were ill prepared because we didn't know who it was. Yeah, and so we we're like asking little basic questions. Like, so, are you a pilot? And do, you, <laughs> do you fly airplanes? And this guy's a retired, you know, general from the Air Force. <laughs> you know, I was like, he was like, oh yeah, deputy commander of the Pacific Air Force fleet or something like that. Like, yeah. oh, man, you're asking Jimmy Doolittle if he likes airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about bombers? Uh, yeah, it was well, you know, in hindsight, we didn't, but I will tell you, the guy was very generous, and he was. Oh my gosh, he was very passionate. That's the key word there. He really does uh, promote the museum very well in the video that uh, Fitz created. So worth worth talking to this gentleman and really sharing the the joy of this museum. Yeah, it's really nice to have uh, their new location, a really nice setup, really nice building. Uh, it's interesting that uh, Galveston had sort of a mixed collection, but up here, pretty much almost. Every plane, except for maybe one or two, maybe at the most, are flyable or in flyable condition. So the stuff you see is stuff that can fly, and they do fly on occasion. Yeah. Neat stuff. And, and I hope everybody who's listening to our show got to see the gallery that I posted online of my photos, and then also the link of uh, Fitz's personal YouTube channel, Hobby View, of the, um, our little story about it. Yeah, you took a lot of pictures, didn't you? 
I did, but I had a great time. And, you know, and I haven't done this yet. I need to pull up my photos from the Lone Star Flight Museum. I had I had been there several times. I'm, I'm a native Texan. So I went before uh, Ike, and so I had photos then. And then I have photos I downloaded right after the storm devastated them, so I know what happened. And then I went back uh, after they fixed it up, and it was great. I mean, they really did a wonderful job rebuilding it. So I'm assuming they just had to make some decisions on, you know, future planning and, uh, you know, hey, yes, we spent all this money fixing it up, but we need to move it back inland. Yeah. And as I had mentioned in, in on the podcast before, I'm, I'm a big fan of it moving from Galveston, not anything against Galveston. I think it's a great tourist place, but being that I go to Ellington to, to do Wings Over Houston every year, which I'll also be doing this year, um, the fact that it's on the same, you know, in the same parking area, it's not necessarily on the flight line. It should bring more guests in to see this stuff, and that's what they needed. They needed to bring more of their planes, and it's not very hard for them to just taxi their planes <laughs> out for static display either. Yeah. So I uh, hopefully I'll, I'll bring a couple of the photos that I, I took from uh, after after Ike. And, and share them to do some comparison. And there were two planes that we we felt were sadly missing from the event. And that was that uh, the maybe Terry can remember what's the uh, the B twenty four that was converted, Terry? Um, we'll do it. Uh, or do you, did you remember Fitz? I keep forgetting. The one with a single tail. It's got a Y in the thing. Oh, PB four Y two Privateer. Okay, the, yeah, the they Privateer. Had Privateer they sold, and then they're. Um, they had a, a PBY that was damaged, I think, in Ike. So That's they, right, they, they get, did, yes. They, it, <laughs> and for those of you who didn't know, when Ike happened, the storm surge was, what, six feet? Something like that? It was really high. Blew out all the doors in the hangar. Uh, the PBY was still in the hangar, and it floated to the top and broke the rudder. <laughs> well, did he say they were? They started out six feet above um, median sea level, but then they had the like, eight feet in the hangar? Did I understand him correctly? You know, I don't remember. It was bad. It was yeah. really bad. <laughs> it was, whatever it was, it was bad. So, uh, yeah, there was a few aircraft in the collection, too, that I recall that, that they no longer have. They they had to either give back or sold off. Uh, so, and, but they, they, they picked up a few new stuff. And they hinted that they're looking at acquiring more stuff. So, I, I think that it's still a great museum. And it's the Lone Star Flight Museum. If you're ever in the Houston area, it's not far from downtown area, so check it out. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> so, Lee, there's another fine mess you've gotten us into. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but no peer pressure from my buddies here on the show. No, no, never. Yeah, we were, we, we didn't object. <clears throat> so we're doing another three view. We've kept it from you guys, but we've been chatting about it and working on it for a while. But because Fitz and I are hoping to have ours done by the next podcast, which is taking place at Best, Best Electrics in South Texas, uh, in New Waverly, it's an event... This is my 14th year, by the way, guys. Wow. Uh, our three view this time is, uh, the focus is on a balsa kit. Uh, let's, I say bring back, but I've always been building with balsa. And you've seen my balsa collection in my workshop. I, could, I told you I could build lots of planes. But it was it was something to, to build from scratch, so to speak, even though this is a laser cut kit. But we're all doing a Great Plains Electric Hub. And I think we all find it funny that the plans, you know, like have can motors. <laughs> can motors, round and cells. I, <laughs> that was a conscious decision when we chose that one because it offers so many opportunities to deviate using different equipment. Yeah. And, and, and we all went with a different paint scheme and we all, we all know what our color is, but nobody knows how we're building. Although, <laughs> to be completely honest, I've already uh, complained a couple of times about my building <laughs> or my issues with the plans. You complained? If, no. <laughs> if I ever bury a treasure chest, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I got to dig it up. Uh, 
<laughs> you guys love me. You know you do. Uh, but it's funny because I remember when I was calling. I, I don't know if it was. I think I was just texting you guys. But I remember I was just giving you guys a comment on something I was. I noticed, and you were both like, "Spoiler alert! Don't ruin it for us." I'm like it's it's just a balsa kid. Um, but uh, I am currently in the in the phase of I'm about to start covering my tail surfaces. Oh, nice! And my wing is currently it should be dry now, but I've got the uh, center fiberglass strip done. So once I sand that smooth, I should be moving on to covering. So I'm I'm guessing I'm about 75% done because there's still a lot of interior stuff to do. But I'm again I'm hoping to have mine done uh, by best. And uh, how are how are you guys uh, doing on your kits, Terry? <laughs> you know how I'm doing. I, I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't is, started. Have you is opened the box? The box? Still lean? Yeah. I've opened the box to look, and there's a lot of lumber in there. So my goal is this. I'm getting my workbench inside this weekend. I have been working on my basement to get a space cleared for the workbench. And once that workbench is down there, that is priority numero uno. Mm. Mark my words. We will. Words marked. Okay. <laughs> and I won't send out any spoilers. Okay. But you'll see ours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. How about you, Fitz? How are you doing? Uh, well, fortunately, there's been a slight turn in the weather, so it's actually cooled down a little bit to make it slightly more bearable to work on the garage. So uh, I've actually made some pretty good progress. Uh, I've actually got a good chuck done on the fuselage uh, last night, as a matter of fact. And the wing is mostly done already, so um, it's now, I think I got uh, the firewall and that kind of stuff to do in the front. And um, and so I, I think it's a good chance I can also have it done by best, which is two weeks, right, from now? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, so I plan on working on it some more tonight and over the weekend. Uh, I, I put aside a, a couple other projects I was working on, so... Uh, uh, you know, put aside the podcast. You don't need to say it. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I should be working on this podcast when I can be building. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've actually been. I went to the hobby store after work yesterday to pick up some odds and ends. I couldn't find my epoxy brushes, so I bought a new set. And one of my sanders has gone missing. Uh, so, uh, so uh, it's, it's looking hopeful. I got all the electronic stuff in motors and servos and stuff. So, oh, no, I, I boo booed on the servo. I, I ordered. Uh, a, a mini servo for the wing and then I started building wing and it is a little nice little cradle for a micro servo so uh, I had to pick up an extra servo for that save the other servo you, for something else you don't have a, a bin full of random servos electronic uh, servos they're yeah <laughs> you know don't laugh I do have electronic servos uh, it's a Motley Crue servos I decided to get some uh, some newer ones for this uh, I do in a, in a pinch. I, I can scavenge a servo from somewhere. I just thought, since I had the time, I just pick one up. Uh, <laughs> I just I, I want people to know I'm going to be making a video of this for radiation, and and one of the uh, teaser comments I'm going to share for you now is I spent way more money on the electronics <laughs> for this than the cost of this kit. <laughs> so it's like uh, I mean I know you can go out and buy a, a probably a plug and play or an RTF cheaper than the amount of money I'm putting into this balsa kit. Uh, well that's true for most. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm way going overboard on this one so my, my it's about <laughs> enjoying the build. Well, yeah. And yeah. If anybody, Are you enjoying yourself? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, right. it is it's about the pride of knowing you did it yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the it's a journey, not the destination, right? Yeah. Well, uh, someone was asking, you know, would, would uh, I, I'm I was just reading the uh, balsa model uh, thread or group, excuse me, on Facebook, and I posted a couple of pictures. I'm sure, I know you guys saw them. And I, while I'm building this, it kind of reminded me of my dad when he was building his live wire champ, you know, a balsa kit and. You know, I'm I'm probably taking a little bit more time making sure everything's true because I'm, I'm I'd like to think that this plane will survive as long as my father's champ and the kids will get to fly it. Uh, you know, have a cub in their in their inventory, and but, but someone had to ask like, would you rather build with balsa or cover your aircraft? And like, there's so much balsa <laughs> dust and trims on my table and stuff. I'm better at covering, I think. And, and if I make a mistake, I can just rip it off and try again. But if you cut a huge chunk of balsa out, <laughs> you're going to, especially yeah. if you didn't cut properly or hold your ruler straight, you're going to just, you know, cuss the, the gods, the exacto gods, which I've had a couple of times. It actually happened to me. I cut a, 
I uh, trimmed the piece wrong, and I ended up having to clone that piece because it was not right after I, I realized my mistake. I was like, oh, damn it. So, <laughs> so yeah. But it's interesting building a kit again. Uh, I, I like always like building kits, and it's been several years I've built one. Uh, so this is this is interesting to do this. And you kind of look at it from rose-colored glasses sometimes because you realize, you know, kits are pretty time-consuming to build. And it, I think my only issue is we sort of have a, a time deadline. If I didn't have the deadline, I'd be a little more relaxed building it. But since I know i got to try to get this thing done, it's it's a little bit... Uh, I hate to, hate to say nerve-wracking, but, you know, a little bit like... Oh, oh, oh. Why is this taking so long? Does another step? Oh, man. Yeah, just wait till we start putting the pressure on Terry. <laughs> yeah. Right, Terry? He's a, yeah. Uh, I'm ready for it. Well, and I don't want to uh, spoiler or anything. I, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to sharing the, the cub with Fitz when I see him at the airfield and uh you know because I'm, I'm making some changes but i'll just leave it at that mm. and but my inquiry is i know terry's gonna make some changes i don't know what yet he'll probably put winglets on it or something <laughs> why would you say such a thing <laughs> why would terry ever do it why is the tail in front of the propeller yeah <laughs> a canarca <laughs> a canarca oh my gosh I, see now terry is like that's it i'm doing a canarca <laughs> he's pushing it hey speaking and, of that you know, there was a cub mod I didn't know realize until recently. A guy took a, a real one, a crash cub apparently, or wrecked, slightly wrecked, and turned it into a midwing plane. It was called. Um, um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot the name. Um, oh, it had a weird name, but basically it was a cub yeah. with a slightly changed rudder and. and it was probably called cockpit. Wrong Cub. <laughs> no, I forgot the name of it. It was like the. Uh, easy to I can't remember what it was but it looked really neat it was uh, it was aerobatic and it was a very very nice uh, modification to a cub you wouldn't even realize it could do so I'm going to ask this question Fitz and if you don't answer in five seconds I'll know I'm right but I'm expecting to see 3D printed parts on this cub build um Actually, I hadn't considered doing that, but now that you mentioned it, <laughs> now that you mentioned it, I, I, I instantly thought of something I could do with a 3D print, so maybe, now that, now that you mentioned it. Well, and Are you thinking of the Midwing Special fits? Um, I don't think they have the name Wid... Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. You, you well, can look it up and find pictures of it. So to, so to wrap up, our three view is coming out, and we look forward to sharing them with you, but uh, we encourage everybody to to do this kind of thing get you know and i want to say be uncomfortable but you know go back to building kits i i it's weird for me that i i think ca has gotten better since the ages of when i was using the the first stuff with balsa because it's like super hot now it's super fast glue oh yeah yeah <laughs> I didn't see it, it smokes when you, you put it on it, yes <laughs> i mean awesome. and I, I i still use balls so don't get me wrong i mean i've got uh, I, I i fix things and make things but during this build i've just never really it's never dawned on me how much faster the ca is or or yeah. again how hot it's getting <laughs> yeah it's just awesome uh, and, and, and there are parts that are going together really well, and I'm, I am having these proud moments um, that, like, the tail is perfectly straight. <laughs> you know, the fuselage lines up properly. Um, there are some things I'm not liking, which I'll share in my little video, uh, you know, and to really prepare people for other builds or, or this particular kit. But the, the, the three view is an older kit, definitely an older balsa kit, but balsa's fun. Yeah, and, it's full uh, production. Can't wait to see all three of us put our planes together and, yeah. and see what we have for you guys. I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but many moons ago, I built an electric cub way, way, way back. Oh, early. I did not know. Did you know, know that? that? Yeah, this is the second one I built. Oh, uh, okay. So I, this will be interesting to compare. Uh, I'll talk about it later, next maybe next episode or so. Uh, the difference between building it back then when I was pretty much a teenager and now as an adult and somebody who knows what I'm doing. I mean, using Elmer's or Ambroid? <laughs> <laughs> you can't use shoe glue? <laughs> so was the one you built before the original version? Or the one we have now is the Mark II, which has ailerons and provisions for a gearbox. Yes, the one I built before was the original, so it had no ailerons. Okay. Um, at first, uh, no electronic speed controller uh, and direct drive, five 
50 can motor running on six cells RC car battery pack I had laying around. Uh, so it was right. it was a much different experience with the first one. It actually had a pretty funny experience with it uh, when the first time I took it out. So uh, I'll talk about that at another a later date. But uh, this is this will be interesting to build a version two with modern electronics and and knowing some experience under my belt now versus way way modern more. electronics. Modern electronics. You're not using the toggle switch with a servo. Not this time. Okay. <laughs> actually. Last time it was a switch. I just flipped the switch on the side, turned it on, and <laughs> hail Mary it. <laughs> yeah, it Remember was really we were talking primitive. about that pylon pylon racing cubs. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, it had no power to pylon race. <laughs> Other than that, it just you had no throttle. Interesting. But anyways, well, yeah, we'll talk about that. And it went through some several iterations. So all right, well, and and it's funny because we've been not talking about this at all we've all i mean i've had we've had it for about a month or so so it's yeah. finally there to get that off my chest and uh, i'm as soon as we hang up here and send our files to to fits i'm gonna go back down and start working on the cup uh, you know what that's yeah me too. that sounds yeah right work on it by looking at it putting it on the shelf hey, can, <laughs> you, a start. can you at least open the box and like at least iron out the plans terry yes <laughs> flatten them okay <laughs> can you do that <laughs> Well, on that note, I think I'm going to heed Lee's advice and go off and work on my cub as well. Guys? We don't know what Terry's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, been a good show. We'll see you guys next time. And uh, don't inhale too much balsa dust. And All right. we'll see you later. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.